One Sunday morning, the topic for the Sunday school class for children in the first grade was the prodigal son. And the priest, wanting to perhaps show what he had learned in seminary, decided to pay a visit to the classroom and talk about the elder brother so that the children at least would not ever consider being that kind of person. So this is what he says, but amidst all the enjoyment, there was one to whom the preparation of the feast brought no joy, to whom the prodigal's return have no happiness, only bitterness, one who did not approve of the feast and had no wish to attend it. Now, who can tell me who that was? And then there's this pregnant silence among the children, and a little hand comes up, and it says, please, Father, it was the fatted calf. <laughs> a familiar story. We have heard this over and over and over again. Why is it that we need to hear it over and over and over again? Because we fluctuate in life. We sway from one protagonist to another. Sometimes we are the prodigal. Sometimes we're the father. Sometimes we're the eldest brother. When was the last time that you wanted to tell that new young whippersnapper that just came into the company or to the church as part of the staff you have no idea what you're talking about. I have been here for 35 years and I know everything there is to know. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be neat to say? See, that's what the elder brother is doing. I've been here all the time. I have never, ever gone against you, Dad. I work every day, even today. I just came in from the field. And what do I find? I listen to the words. I find that this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours, who squandered everything that you gave him way ahead of time, you shouldn't have done that. Now he's back and you're throwing a party for him. And you have never even given me a goat. And no, I know we sometimes order cabrito someplace, but goat meat is tough, okay? So it's not like you gave me the, your precious you and it's just wonderful and you know, a little rack of lamb. No, 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 this is tough meat. You gotta chew on that baby for a long time. <laughs> you didn't even give me a goat so I could party with my friends. Can you identify with that? Yeah, we all do, we all do. A previous diocese I served as canon to the ordinary I would get phone calls and also personal visits from clergy who were upset about two new graduates of seminary that rose to great recognition by serving in major committees in the diocese. And one of them went as far as to say, who do they think they are? So we're all there. We've been there. We go in that role, we come out of that role. We're also the prodigal. What does the prodigal do? He really puts dad in a very, very tough situation. 
What he asks for, even though it's coming to him, is not supposed to take place until dad dies. And even today, it would be strenuous, I would say, if your son or your daughter comes and says, I know you're not going to die just today. And you want to ask, do you know something I don't know? But I would like to have my inheritance at this time. And we would probably do it. It would probably break that relationship. It would put a lot of strain on it. And then what the prodigal does, he goes and squanders all the money in what is written to be dissolute living. You know what dissolute means? Passions, drunkenness carousing, idolatry. Now how the older brother brought in the prostitutes, I'm not sure, but that's for him to have figured out probably through the social network at that time. So he spent all his money and now to add things to the situation, a famine comes, which means that you can't even go down the field and steal a melon. Nothing is growing. Everything is dead. So he gets a job. He's gone to work for a Gentile. Mm, bad. Jews don't work for Gentiles. They avoid Gentiles as much as possible at this period of time in the world. And then, not only that, but he is now a pig farmer. And all the rabbis say you can do anything you want in life except be a pig farmer. You do not get close to a pig. But not only is he close, but he would love to eat what the pigs are eating because he is hungry. And then those powerful words. And when he came to himself, those words get lost because we're so busy being dad or the eldest or the youngest. When he came to himself, what does that say to you personally? When you come to yourself, to me it means that I've stopped and looked at myself. I've looked at myself in the mirror and through the mirror. Who am I? What am I doing? What are my behaviors? How am I showing God? How am I showing the devil to other people? How am I behaving? How do I look at my brothers and my sisters? What is it that I have done? Showing my age in 1961, one of my favorite songs that rose to number four in the charts was sung by someone not around anymore, Raoul Donner. And the song was called, You Don't Know What You've Got. And part of the lyrics go this way, you don't know what you got until you lose it. You gave me all your love, but I abused it. And now I'm sorry for the things I didn't say, because now I know I acted in a foolish way. When we come to ourselves, sometimes we have to realize that we threw away that which we had, and now we do not have it. So the young man coming to himself says, I have sinned against God and against my father. That is what contrition is. 
Contrition is when we feel sorry for what we've done because we have hurt a child of God, such as his father, and that's how he feels inside. So he rushes home. Now, how far was he away? We don't know, it is not important. What's important is that as he's still far off, the father sees him. Why is that? Why does the father see him from far off? What's dad doing? What's dad been doing? He doesn't have to labor in fields. He owns the place. He's been watching. He's been looking down the road. He's been hoping, he's been praying. And then he does something that is a great insult and not acceptable for an old man. He runs. He runs in his robe, grabs a hold of his son and kisses him. That's a welcoming kiss. And then the son does not hold back and he says, Father, I have sinned against you and against God. I'm not worthy to be your son. I will relinquish the sonship as long as you take me back and let me work like a hired hand. And the father's response is one of pure love. He says, no, you have returned, you're back. He calls the servant and says, put on a robe on him. That is a robe of royalty. Remember, even when Jesus was scourged and plated with a crown of thorns, Pilate knew that the Jews would see him as their king by putting on a purple robe on him. So he puts on a robe on him and gives him a ring. Now, this is not a mood ring and it's not a promise ring. What it is, is a signet ring of the family shield, the family code. He is back in the family and gives him sandals for he had none. So he ran home without them. And a great banquet is prepared. And that is what takes us back to the elder son. He cannot stand that. But dad also runs out to meet the elder son when he refuses to go in the party. And that is the essence of the faith we share. And that is to be reconciled to God, to be forgiven. And the father turns the eldest words around. Remember, this your son has now returned. And the father says, your brother has returned and he is safe and sound. The father continually tries to reach back. God wants every sinner to return. God is watching all the time and he waits. And there is joy when what was lost is found. Remember the story of the shepherd leaving the 99 and going after the one that is lost? The lady who loses the coin and sweeps the floor of their house. And if you've ever been in one of those houses back then, it would be dirt and straw. Have you ever tried to sweep dirt and straw? You sweep one and you cover what you just swept and you go back and forth. It is useless. But she did that until she found the coin. And that is the patience and the commitment that God has in seeking the sinner. He's always out looking for us to do what? 
to come to ourselves and to know which way to go. You and I know right from wrong. We have a voice of conscience. We have the guidance of scripture. We have the advice from elders and we have life experiences. Yet we, we do wrong. We hurt ourselves, we hurt others. And all the while, our Father looks in the distance and waits for us to return. And as the psalmist says, when we cry in our affliction, He finds us and He forgives us. And as Paul says, we become a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I'd like to end with a poem by James Weldon, an American-African poet who wrote a poem called The Creation, and it goes like this to show the love of the Father. And God stepped out on space and he looked around and said, I am lonely, I'll make me a world. Then God walked around and God looked around and all that he had made. He looked at his sun, he looked at his moon, and he looked at his little stars, and he looked at his world with all its living things. And God said, I'm lonely still. Then God sat down on the side of the hill where he could think. By a deep, wide river he sat down with his head in his hands. God thought and thought till he thought, I'll make me a man. You and I are that creation. And we have a creator and a lover that constantly chases us. Let us come to ourselves in the days that are left for this Lent. Let us turn and return to God who loves us and waits for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.